Think Red Smoke Alarms. Think 10-year warranty. Think Australian-owned. Think redsmokealarms.com.au. Amar Safety. Over 30 years of better brands and better service with the widest choice of PPE. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell. Good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning, middle of the week. It's start of a brand new month as well. It is the 1st of November, 2023. Daniel Pedgrew back with you over the course of the next hour. Broadcasting, as always, through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 our open line number. You can text 0457 736 736. That's all before breakfast this morning with James Magnuson and Greg Alexander. Uh, Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour of Brady and Missile, and then it will be Patton Hills from 6 a.m. local time for you. Lots to come up, though, across the course of the next hour before uh, the breakfast show gets underway. November 1. We'll talk about that in a second. There's a lot of players, a heap of players that are on the open market. We'll go through some of the big names in just a second. Matty Cox from Tradies News in a Nutshell in Melbourne will join me in about 15 minutes to discuss some of the big issues of the week. We'll also look ahead, of course, because it is the last time we speak to him before the Melbourne Cup in six days' time. So we'll have a chat with Matty Cox in about 15 minutes. Paul Dennett, our cricket expert, on the line in about half an hour or so to talk us through the latest in the Cricket World Cup. Another match played last night, which we'll get to shortly. Of course, Australia back in action on Saturday against England. A week-long break since that uh, by the time they get there since that game against New Zealand. So plenty to get through. Want to hear from you. one 736 It's two past five in New South Wales, two past four in Queensland. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a Rheem, Australia's favourite hot water. All right, as I said, it is November 1 today, meaning there are a stack of players, over 200 players in the NRL, up for grabs if you want to sign them. Back page of today's Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, big picture of Joey Manu, Shane Flanagan, Dragons, $5 million play for Manu. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to know this morning, if you are in charge of your club and you only could sign one player that is off contract. Now, we can't go through all of them. We'd be here until 7 a.m. going through all of them. But I'll give you some of the big names. And you can go, if you know some of the others that I'm not going to give to you that are off contract, you can go them. But some, just some of the big names that are off contract as of today for 2025. Bradman Best from the Newcastle Knights. Joey Manu, uh, as we just mentioned. Tom Dearden. Luke Keary. Jerome Luai. Ezra Mam. Adam Reynolds is an interesting one as well. Aging. Will he want to go around again another year after next year? Uh, that's just another one. Jacob Saifidi. Angus Crichton, another one. Had a Pretty poor year last year, but he is off contract as well. We know there was talk about him going to the to rugby union before that deal has seemingly fallen through. That's just some of the players off contract. We've got the likes of uh, Billy Walters, Connor Tracy off contract as well, and Nat Butcher. Uh, there's a stack of them that are off contract right now. Now, if you're in charge of your club and you could only sign one of these players, of the 200-odd players that are off contract going into 2025, you can only play, get the checkbook out for one of them. 
Who is it? 0457 736 736 or 1300 You would think for most people it would probably be maybe Jerome Luai, Joey Manu, Ezra Mam. He performed brilliantly well in the grand final, almost got the Broncos over the line before that excellent performance by Nathan Cleary. Bradman Best made his origin debut this year, looked very good after his origin debut for Newcastle. Who do you sign? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. As I say, back page of today's Sydney Morning Herald at Dragons $5 million play for Joey Manu, who is one of the players off contract. Shane Flanagan declaring, I think he would be enormous for our club, um, which he would be. Uh, he said, from what I've seen when he plays fullback, his involvement is enormous. I think he could make a real fist of it. They're offering him $5 million and to play fullback. Um, Seven-figure salary and a chance to play fullback. Uh, I'd love to have him, but I just don't know if he's going to move. In the end, it's not just us. It's not the Roosters. It's just what Jory wants to do. Uh, Shane Flanagan went on to say, I know he loves the Roosters. I know Nick uh, loves him, Nick Politis. Does he want to leave and have a crack at fullback? He obviously won't get to play too much there. Interesting. Everything you hear about Joey Manu and the Roosters is that he will stay. But $5 million, if that is indeed right, have to be tempting, wouldn't it? Does Joey Manu leave the Roosters at the end of next year? 0457 736 736 or one 1170 Who would you like to sign? And as I mentioned, I mentioned the big name, someone like a Connor Tracy would be a very handy pickup for any club. Um, we know he's very talented at the Sharks. Doesn't probably get as much game time as he probably deserves. A lot of other clubs, I'm sure, will be circling him as well. So if you were in charge of your club, you could get the checkbook out just for one player. Who would it be? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And just with a bit of this signing news as well, because we did get a few players re-sign yesterday before they went on to the open market. The first of those, though, not an NRL player, but the Raiders confirming uh, the signing of England international Morgan Smithies on a three-year deal. 22 years of age. He's played more than 100 games for Wigan in the Super League since making his debut in 2019. Uh, we'll join Elliot Whitehead, of course, at the Raiders next year. Um, so good news uh, for the Raiders. Uh, over, As I said, over 100 games, including Super League and Challenge Cup finals, and will come over a Super League champion after their grand final win only a few weeks ago. So well done to them. At the Sharks, Toby Rudolph is on the verge of inking a new deal with the Sharks that will keep him at the club until the end of 2026. Rudolph is off contract at the end of next season, and so far he's played 81 games. Likely to become hot property from today, but is ready to commit to the Sharks with a two-year extension in a show of support for Craig Fitzgibbon. Meanwhile, at South Sydney, Jai Arrow has re-signed with the South Sydney Rabbitohs on a three-year deal that will keep him at the Rabbitohs until the end of the 2027 season. He said yesterday, the boys, the coaches and the staff all have, all have the utmost faith that we will be successful. And I'm excited about what's ahead for us in coming years. He also went to say, I want to finish my journey at this club, and I'm so happy to be part of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. The Newcastle Knights have signed the Panthers' Tom Jenkins. He was the part, part of uh, the Panthers' extended a grand final squad, and he signed a two-year deal for 2024 and 2025. Peter Parr, uh, the head of football at Newcastle, said, we see Tom as a long-term NRL player, and we're thankful he chose the Knights. Uh, he's played... Uh, uh, he's played a few games uh, since making his debut. 
uh, last year. Jenkins will compete for the wing spot vacated by Dom Young. And at Manly, Manly have re-signed in form hooker Lachlan Croker for further two seasons, just hours before the November 1 deadline. He still had 12 months left on his current deal, but is committed to the Seagulls into at least the end of the 2026 season. Uh, meanwhile, the Cowboys uh, signed off-contract test prop Jordan McLean to a new one-year deal. So that's just some of the signing news as we hit November 1, and no doubt there'll be much more as we continue on uh, over the next coming weeks and months. And just finally, before a break, Dave Warner says his World Cup form is making everyone look stupid. While conceding a 2020 series against India is not ideal preparation for his farewell test series against Pakistan. He turned 37 last week and he's raced past 400 runs for the tournament on the back of consecutive centuries against Pakistan and Netherlands um, and 81 against New Zealand. He says, everyone keeps writing me off. At the end of the day, I'm doing as well as I can. I'm just trying to go out there and start as well as I can up front in the first 10 overs. And if I get in and I, tr I try and make the most of it, and it's also awesome to have Travis Head and Mitch Marsh there as well because it allows that pressure to keep being put back into the opposition. He was asked if he drew inspiration from the criticism, and he said, nope, I just make everyone look stupid. Six matches so far for Dave Warner in this year's World Cup. He's made 413 runs. It's an average of uh, just over 68 or just under 69. Uh, 200s, 150 is highest score, 163. Let's hope he can keep up that form as we head into the dying stages of the World Cup. Of course, Australia in action again against England on Saturday night. And we'll talk to Paul Dennett about that in about 20 or so minutes. Plenty to get through on this Wednesday morning. If you're in charge of your club, it's November 1. There's one player you could sign for 2025 and beyond. Who would it be? Who would you throw the checkbook at? But it can only be one. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01170. We'll continue that chat with Matty Cox on the other side of the break, plus all the other big issues of the week. It's 10 past five in New South Wales, 10 past four in Queensland. You're with Traddy's News in a Nutshell on this Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, trade is used in a nutshell, 14 and a half past five in New South Wales, 14 and a half past four in Queensland to Maddie Cox in Melbourne in just a second. Don't forget, we are here for Red Smoke Alarms. Think Red Smoke Alarms. Think redsmokealarms.com.au. And Amare Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider, 0457 736 736 or 1300 Plays off contract today. If you're in charge of a club, who would you be signing? Let's cross down now to Melbourne and have a chat with the great Maddie Cox. Now on SEN, on SEN it's, it's time, time to, to trade, trade towns. And a very good morning to you, Dan Pettigrew. Morning to you, Maddie. How are we? Not too bad for the first day of mm. November. Yes, hard to believe we've only got. Two months to go in 2023. I know. The year is absolutely flying by. It's almost a year since I went to the UK. It's uh, Yeah, it's amazing how quick t time goes. That would mean that you're about due some time off, wouldn't it? Uh, correct, actually. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, lucky for some. True. Uh, you're having no time off anytime soon? No, 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 no. Okay, no, so, on the so Monday, Tuesday, okay, you'll be here. Okay, cool. Awesome. Tuesday's a public holiday. So, uh, well, uh, for yeah. you, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. I'll leave I'll HR to sort out that admin yeah. stuff then. Yep. Okay, that, that's good, that's good. I look forward to hearing <laughs> your voice on Tuesday morning then. Yeah. 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 No, you won't. <laughs> no, didn't think so. <laughs> well, let's start with your player movement. Right? Yep. Over the last couple of weeks when we've had these conversations, we've been in the depths of our trade period, which 
has come and gone, and now we look towards the draft mm. at the end of November. But you're about to enter a very intriguing phase of your player movement because today marks a fairly significant day. Yeah, November 1, which means there's more than 200 NRL players off contract for 2025. So still on contract for next season, the season coming up in a few months' time. But clubs are free. Any club is free to approach any of these players that are off contract to sign them for 2025 and beyond. There are some, look, there's a lot of players, as I say, over 200. There's some very big names off contract. Joey Manu, Jerome Loy, Ezra Mayam, who starred in that grand final for the Broncos a month ago, amongst a lot of others. Uh, and there was a lot of re-signing done yesterday um, from a few different clubs, but yeah, heap of players off contract and uh, look back page of today's Sydney Morning Herald, just for an example, Dragons, George Illawarra Dragons, $5 million play for Joe Manu to try and get him away from the Sydney Roosters. We'll see how that plays out, but this is the sort of stuff we're probably going to hear about a lot over the next few weeks. Um, I would dare say, uh, and I don't know how it's going to play out because it is different every year, Matty, but I would dare say there'd be a lot of clubs uh, in the next week re-signing players as we saw yesterday, but uh, the movement starts today and I'm sure we'll start to see at least hear a lot of things, whether a lot of things get ticked off today or not, I'm not sure, but uh, everyone's free to sign elsewhere from today. And to clarify, this isn't for next year. This isn't like our trade period that will affect teams for 2024. This is looking beyond 2025. Yes, this is for 2025. And I think this is one of the issues, um, whilst it's great that it's in the news and it keeps rugby league going, I think maybe one of the issues that puts fans off a little bit is that the fact we're talking about someone, someone could sign today on the 1st of November, 2023, their first game not, not be until what the 3rd or 4th of March, 2025. So it is a fair way away, but yet we're talking about 2025. The players that are off contract, the ones that we're talking about at the moment are still on contract with their current club for next season and more than likely will remain at their current club for next year. So this is 2025 and beyond. We might have a conversation next week about mm. what lists actually look like comparing both the AFL and the NRL for those that may not be aware of it because there's differences. I mean, we talk about the trade period. You mm. talk about this off-contract period. We've then got our draft and mm. how that implicates things. That might be a conversation mm. for next week to determine the list management because an issue down here has been the rookie list mm. for us. So mm. there's positions on an AFL list that go beyond the, the standard list, if you like. There's different pay rates those that are on a rookie list, there's different eligibility to be placed onto a rookie list. There's only a certain number of games that can be played unless there's an inactive player on the regular list. But what we're seeing down here is that a lot of clubs, and this has been happening for years, it's not a new thing, but a lot of clubs will delist a an experienced player mm. To move them aside, they may or may not require them in 2024, but they're still good to have around the club from a leadership perspective. If someone did sustain an injury, they can be used as a as a good backup. But mm. that's prompted the call for us to have a veterans list down here. So it enables the rookie list to be used as what its primary intention should be, which is for those that are either new to the sport or are given a a second chance to come out of one of the second tier competitions. So it leaves those spots available, but it gives 
clubs a couple of spots to give to a veteran who may not play all 23, 24 games, however many we're going to have next year, mm. but is still capable of being on the list and doesn't get shoved onto this rookie list and take up a spot of someone who's trying to break back in. Yeah, and that's interesting because I don't know we'll uh, go into it further next week. There's no real list here. Obviously, you know the players that haven't played. And, and you look at the 200 players that are off contract. I had a quick look this morning. There's quite a few that probably haven't even played first grade matches or if they have, they've played one or two. But yeah, that's a, it's it's an interesting one, uh, that one. Whereas more so in the NRL, it's basically just uh, free for all. But that's very different because, of course, there's no draft. There's no trade period as such. There's nothing like that in the NRL compared to the AFL. Oh, no, it's a, it's a very interesting mm. uh, landscape. So maybe we'll have a, a mm. proper discussion around that next week. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, 18th team we've talked. Have you heard much about this 18th team that the NRL are looking at buying into um, over there in Melbourne? Personally, I've only heard the snippets that we've shared in the, mm. these conversations. And I'm going to assume that people out there listening this morning may be in a similar boat. We we know that the NRL, they're on an aggressive push. They mm. wanted 20 teams by 2030 or something ridiculous like that, don't they? Yeah, well, there was an article oh, three, four months ago, now maybe even longer, that they wanted 20 teams by the time the Brisbane Olympics come along in 2032. So... It is aggressive because you look at where we are now, 2023 in terms of the NRL done and dusted already into 2024. It's a very short turnaround to get 20 teams, if that is still their goal, which I imagine it would be. There's been no talk that it isn't now into the competition before the Olympics in 2032. And I suppose just before we get to the 18th team, I suppose the question that I have raised a few times is that, um, the talent pool, uh, there's a lot of good players and there, are, Maddie. There are a lot of good players playing, uh, not playing NRL, playing um, New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup and those sort of competitions. But we don't want to stretch the talent so thin that all of a sudden we're getting all these one-sided games. Because as someone pointed out to me a few months ago, and they're exactly right, 20 teams in the NRL, if that's their goal, it's fantastic. More, uh, obviously, more crowds, more TV ratings, more gains for the TV uh, stations, Fox, Channel 9, whoever has the rights at that point in time to show. But it's not going to be worth all that much money if there is a three or four one-sided games each week. So that's going to be something they have to look at if they want to get to 20 teams as well. Yeah, and that was a, a, a well, not a criticism, but a, a a hesitation about bringing the Dolphins in so early as well, wasn't it? The, the competition was going to be lopsided, and look how that turned out this year. Yeah, look, the Dolphins were fantastic, and they probably, before the start of the season, a lot of people were saying they probably should have been given an extra year, but look, they won their first three in a row. Didn't end up making the finals, but certainly uh, were a very good story of this year, and uh, they'll build on that for next season coming up, but... This 18th team, Maddie. there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of weeks about the potential of it being uh, a Papua New Guinea team that will be based in Cairns. Now, uh, a lot of this is for political reasons as well, which we won't uh, deep dive into today. But that is that seems to be the go. The Papua New Guinea will be the 18th team. They'll probably be based potentially in Cairns. Um, obviously playing some games in Papua New Guinea, I assume playing some games in Queensland. The other thing uh, now that came out yesterday is that the Bears, the North Sydney Bears, who used to be part of uh, the NRL many, many years ago, still have a New South Wales Cup team running around at the moment, uh, looking to get themselves back into the NRL. Not so much as the North Sydney Bears, but 
as the Bears. Um, and they want to target the whole uh, Pacific region. So Tonga, Samoa, the Cook Islands, parts of New Zealand and so forth. Um, and But base themselves still in Sydney. So it, it's, it's a tricky one to see what is going to happen, mate. I have been one that have been has been pushing Perth for a long time. It doesn't seem like Perth is going to be the 18th team. But for me... Um, and I know, as I say, there's political reasons for going into that Pacific region. But for me, uh, if you're just looking at it from an NRL and an Australian sporting sense, Perth is the logical choice for mine. But it looks like we'll be going to Papua New Guinea for the 18th team. And it, to me, it, it's a little perplexing as well, a, a similar sort of train of thought to what you've got. If you're expanding a competition, surely you'd be wanting to expand to new markets because those that you've mentioned, whether it be Papua New Guinea, whether it be those islands throughout the Pacific, I think they've all got an attachment already to rugby league. If you're expanding, surely you'd want to push into new and, and potentially foreign markets like WA. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, there's a lot of political reasons for Papua New Guinea. The Australian government, the Albanese government, will put money uh, each year into the Papua New Guinea team if that is going to be the successful one to get up. Uh, look, I think just, as I say, from an NRL point of view, that every time we go to Perth, uh, whether it be for club matches, state of origin, we've had there a couple of times now, you get a big crowd. We have had a Perth team there before many, many years ago, and that didn't work out, but that was a long time ago and for uh, very different reasons to where we are now in terms of the NRL and uh, how much how much profit they're making, how well they're doing. So it is going to be really intriguing to see if it is Papua New Guinea, the 18th team, when that gets ticked off, when they will start playing NRL. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think Perth, not just to expand into a different market in Australia, but also the time difference would work perfectly as well uh, for the TV rights holders to be showing games, obviously, with the two- or three-hour time difference at different times of the year. So, yeah, interesting one. Uh, it seems to me, though, that they will be going uh, the Papua New Guinea way. We'll wait to see when that is officially announced. We're not entirely sure, but probably in the nearish future, one would imagine. Yeah, it's intriguing because if you look prior to us announcing the Tasmanian team, the 17th and mm. 18th team for us were in new markets, Gold Coast and Greater Western Sydney. So, And when you think of it from a broadcast rights perspective... How many extra eyeballs are you going to get on the product if you're concentrating on either a an international team mm. or a, a team that's already based within the, the locality of where the, the heartland is? Yeah, you're right. And I'm also slightly – look, you, you don't know because you don't know where they're going to play all their games. But as a couple of people pointed out on my text line yesterday, it's going to be hard for a team to not – be based in one place um, and play their games in one place. So anyway, we'll see what happens with it. As I say, I, I'm a Perth person. I think Perth would have been the logical choice, but uh, we'll see what happens. It could still happen. I'm sure I would imagine Perth will get a team at some point in time if they are looking at 20 teams, but looking very unlikely to be the 18th team. A star of the AFLW, Manny, has decided to hang up the boots. Yeah, Aaron Phillips, who not only is a star of... Aussie rules, but her international basketball career, it's almost been put into the uh, backroom cupboard because we, we hardly talk about that anymore when Erin Phillips comes up in conversation. In her short career, well, I say short, but she played 46 games for Adelaide, 19 mm. for Port Adelaide with one, hopefully, to play this weekend. 
fingers crossed there's no injury concerns or anything leading into the final round of the AFLW home and away season. She's a three-time Premiership player, two-time AFLW Best and Fairest winner, a two-time AFLW Grand Final Best on Ground performer, three-time All-Australian, two-time Adelaide Crows Best and Fairest, spent the last two seasons at Port Adelaide, which... Her father, Greg, was part of the Port Adelaide Magpies back yeah. in the, the Sandful days in the late 80s, early 90s. So there was a, a family legacy and history there, which she connected with, was the inaugural captain of both the Crows and of Port Adelaide as they entered the competition at respective times. But for me, Dan, her impact goes beyond the accolades for me because she legitimised the cross-coder when the AFLW was introduced back in, what was it, 2016, first season 2017, around that uh, era, there was a lot of people that questioned why we were trying to bring in professional athletes from other codes. And you could argue that it was a PR machine to try and attract eyeballs to the product. And But Erin Phillips broke that mould. She showed and demonstrated that not only was she bringing a level of professionalism, which I think has still held the Adelaide Crows in good stead today. When the the Crows started, the, the fact that often gets missed, the Crows had two training bases, one in the Northern Territory because they had a deal with uh, Northern Territory footy mm. and one in Adelaide. They'd only come together on match day, which meant that training had to be separated. There was all sorts of logistical nightmares in being able to get the team together. They went on and won the flag that year. And I look back and think or and wonder whether it was the professionalism of someone like an Aaron Phillips who had had such a decorated international career with basketball, bringing that level of professionalism in and then just dominated. We were accustomed to the names of Daisy Pearce and others coming out of Victorian State League women's footy, but then to admire what Erin Phillips has achieved over the journey. There's calls for the best and fairest medal to be named in her honour. Whether that happens, we'll have to wait and see. But she's had such a massive impact on the AFLW competition. And then to finish her career with that family connection to Port Adelaide just capped capped off what has been a magnificent career. So she's someone for me that's had such a profound impact on the the AFLW. Yeah, fantastic career. And just on the AFLW, um, the other day here at Henson Park, nice sunny day in Sydney, big crowd. It's a good time of the year to have it on. I don't know if the NRLW will ever move from where it is now, but uh, I think it at least sparks a bit of a debate considering how well the AFLW seems to be going this year. Second season we've had in this post-season window, if you can call it that, Mm. in this period from late August through to the end of November, early December. We reached the final round of the home and away season this weekend, and then we've got four weeks of uh, finals for the top eight that are going to participate. I I think it makes sense. I'd... I questioned where, when we were continuing to go down the path of holding the AFLW in January and uh, that running into, you know, April, uh, May, that kind of sphere. It may not even been that late, but mm. it just didn't quite work because the finals fell off the agenda. This season for AFLW, you can, you can argue it still probably hasn't got the spotlight that maybe it 
deserves, but it's been such an enthralling season. And over the next four weeks, you feel as if, or I feel, it's going to draw some more attention than what a final series would have been had the men's season mm. been underway. So I think the the move into this time slot fits. The question mark's going to be when we start to expand the number of games in a home and away season, there's a potential for that next year, definitely the year after. But they like to start it on that mid, uh, the end of season buy that we've got heading into the finals to have the first round there. And that's probably not going to be the case if they want to expand the, the home and away season by one or two games. So it's going to be curious to see how that unfolds. But just quickly, yeah. the Sydney Swans, there's still a chance in their Very second good. season. A, a phenomenal story. They're sitting in eighth position on the ladder. There's, uh, what's that, four teams on 20 points and then a couple behind on 16 as well, depending on how results go this weekend. But they've been a vastly improved team that only had the one win last year. In fact, I think they may have even been winless off the top of my head. I think they might have been. I think they might have been. Just on what's happening this weekend as well, we've got our Rugby League International Finals. So Australia New Zealand will meet again after Australia won last weekend in Melbourne and then Fiji and Papua New Guinea on Sunday. That Australia New Zealand game on Saturday. But Maddie, are you heading off to Flemington on Tuesday for the Melbourne Cup? Uh, no, I won't no. be heading uh, there. No, no. no invite. I just, no. by the way, sorry, I had mm. a look. They were win-loss last year, yeah, which is yeah. a, a mm. phenomenal record for the mm. Sydney Swans this year to turn it around and potentially make the top eight. But no, I won't be at uh, Flemington on Tuesday oh. afternoon. I reckon most of Victoria will by yeah, the crowd <laughs> figures that they usually get there. It's such a, a big occasion. And the old famous cliche, Dan, it's the race that stops the nation. And I know there's those that may think oh, it probably doesn't stop it as much as what it used to, but there's still no occasion, sporting occasion at least, that has a public holiday. You can call it midweek for, for a sport. It, it's a phenomenal history that surrounds the, the, uh, the Melbourne Cup and it will be another big event as we kick off the carnival on Saturday with Derby Day. Yeah, and a lot of the debate always around this time of the year whether it should be a national public holiday and not just in Melbourne. I know from the past couple of years uh, I've been to an event um, and everywhere you walk around the city, I leave work here, you walk around the city or wherever you are, and especially once you get into the afternoon, there's not too many people working. You are right. It is the race that stops the nation. And very much looking forward to reviewing it next Wednesday when no doubt we chat again. You'll be um, here, Maddie. That's right. Correct? Yes, next Wednesday I'll be, uh, Me I'll too. be in the chair. Me too. Um, Me too. Maybe for the final time uh, for a little while, potentially. Oh. Um, oh, you, okay. Are you going to tip the uh, trifecta, considering what what was it, the first two in the Caulfield uh, Cup a couple of weeks? Do we need to get your tip this morning? If is, I, is that across things? If, if I had looked at who was in the race, I'd be able to tell you that. But right now, I can't. So um, I'll, I'll text you, Maddie. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. It. Might have been a bit of luck then, uh, that uh, previous mm. uh, win that you had. Yes, I think so. I think fluke. so. Fluke. People fluke. may even call it. Let's see if I can fluke it next week. Thank you, Matty. Chat next week. We might. We might. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Uh, Matty Cox uh, there in Melbourne talking all things sport. Have you say on any of that? 0457 736 736. Should it be a public holiday? I know we might probably talk about this more next week. Melbourne Cup Day, probably. 0457 736 736 or 1300 011170. We'll switch our attention to cricket on the other side of this.
We'll get to your text in a second on the 18th. Team also, with all the players of contract, if you could only sign one, who would it be? Who would you get the checkbook out for? 0457 736 736 or 1300 1170. But time to turn our attention to cricket now for the Makita XGT. It's part of our power play this morning. Experience professional cordless power without limits. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. And on the line is our cricket expert, Paul Dennett. Morning to you, Paul. Morning, Dan. How are you? Yeah, very, very well. Uh, the One Day World Cup continues rolling on. A couple more weeks to go, about what two and a half more weeks to go uh, before it wraps up. And Australia and New Zealand, I was out and about a bit on Saturday night and then uh, got home and flicked it on. What an amazing match of cricket. Absolutely stunning. I was in the pub for eight hours. Very um, nice. Good way friends. to spend it. Good way to spend it. Drink responsibly, <laughs> exactly. of course. Yes. Uh, of course. Of great course. Ga- great um, game. Yeah. And it kind of, um, it shows what one day cricket can be because that, that eight hours went by very, very quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, it was thrilling. Um, you know, the, the, the people who love one day cricket say that, yeah, you, you can't get that in T20 where there's, it's wham and bam, it's all over. Um, if it was a T20 game, Australia would have won it uh, right off the start because we had that mm. unbelievable partnership between uh, David Warner and, and the returning Travis Head. But then New Zealand fought back and fought back and it came down to the last over where uh, I think a really good sign for the Aussies. And one of the things that has always stood us in good stead in World Cups is not just brilliant catches, but that sort of real hustling ground fielding that is um, sometimes almost unique to us. But... Uh, Glenn Maxwell and Marnus Labuschagne uh, turned fours into twos in that final over two, twice, and it made all the difference. New Zealand came down to needing uh, two to win, a uh, six to win off the final ball. It would have been two to win and one to tie. It had not been for those two pieces of brilliant fielding. So, New Zealand were um, extraordinarily um, in it the whole way through, and Australia just kept on punching. It's the sort of game that, if Australia do it, hopefully win the World Cup, they can look back on and say that was a. That was a, um, a a really good one to win. And they've turned things around at this stage since the start of the competition as well. They're playing very good footy. Uh, footy. Uh, cricket, we're talking about yeah. uh, the future. Uh, force of habit there. They're playing very well. We were talking last week about the future of one-day cricket and the one-day World Cup. But when you see matches like that, you realise how good one-day cricket can be. Absolutely. But I still think... Um, and. That there are some people that still love it, but I still think mm. that they are creeping into the minority. And yep. it's interesting. I was looking at the um, Mark Nicholas, who listeners will remember from Channel mm. Nine days, is now the the president of the MCC, which is basically Lords. They used to run the game. They, they they sometimes think I think that they still do, but they don't <laughs> anymore. But they're still very they're still very powerful. Mm. And he, as um, you, you get a one year tenure as president, and he began it by saying, to save one day cricket, we need to cancel all one day cricket outside of World Cups, um, which is is probably something that's on the horizon. I don't know. I wonder if any listener can remember what happened in November last year. Australia played England in three one-day games, um, <laughs> two of them in Melbourne. And you think with the rivalry of 140 years and whatever else, it would have been big news. No one knew the games were on. Like, there's nothing mm. sadder than a bilateral one-day series these days. The problem with Nicholas's suggestion is that I think that if you do go down that route, when the World Cup comes around every four years, it's not like people are going to be saying, oh, this is refreshing, we get to play 50 overs again. People will be so 
you know, in the habit of 20-over cricket that it will just seem, oh, this is ridiculously long. Um, so I, I actually fear for the future of the format completely. I, I could see a future where in a few years' time there's only Test cricket and T20 cricket. And as much as that sort of saddens me, I, I kind of think it might be the right way to go. And it's funny you mentioned that Australia-England series. I, I vaguely remember that. But it's also when we get to the stage of summer when, and I know I think the schedule's a bit different this year, but when we got to the end of the Test matches and the Big Bash series, when that was definitely at its peak, it, it did have a resurgence last year, and you got to the, the one-day internationals when you sort of had the tennis going on, the Australian Open, and you're not that far away from uh, the respective footy seasons, and people just switched it off. People got lost. I did have a text on the text line last week about this after we spoke. I think it was from Marty saying the potential of making 40 over cricket. Do you support that or not? There's something to be said for that. Mm. Um, and it's, it's funny because it's, it's, uh, it started one day cricket way back when in, in county cricket at 65 over games. Imagine mm-hmm. that in one day, 130 <laughs> overs. It went down to 60, 55, 50, 40. Um, I don't dislike that. And so, um, you know, people would say, oh, it's becoming farcical, but I, I, I could handle that. Um, mm. uh, I just don't know that it's sort of almost a Band-Aid solution. I don't know that's going to be enough to save it, though. No, going to be interested to see uh, what happens in the future of one-day cricket. I think some people would be sad if it goes by the wayside, but we'll see what happens with that. Dave Water, in the meantime, he's come out on the back page of the Telegraph today saying he's making everyone look stupid. Six matches in this year's World Cup, six innings, obviously, has scored 413 runs. He's made 200s, 150, highest score, 163. He's playing well. Oh, when he retires, journalists are going to be so sad. I mean, it's such a... <laughs> <laughs> such a headline-generating machine. I think it's the sort of thing, he speaks at a million miles an hour, that's the sort of thing, probably looks more arrogant in print than it probably really was. Um, and I agree with him. Um, the way he's playing, it's like he's gone back 10, 12, 15 years to his absolute uh, young prime. Mm. Um, I'd, be, I'd be tempted to say, listen, we've got a, a test tour of India coming up in the in about a year's time. Maybe he should cancel his test mm. retirement. Uh, he's, been, he's been magnificent and... The only problem um, that the opening partnership now has with, with Travis Head coming back and playing so amazingly well, it kind of put Mitchell Marsh into a, uh, an, a difficult situation where he comes out normally hits through the line with the field up. When he came in last uh, in the game against New Zealand with the spinners on and the field back, it wasn't really his game manipulating the ball around. It's probably one of the... Him and Labuschagne scoring so slowly um, in, in that little period was... One of the few downsides for Australia in, in, in such a massive win. Mm, let's hope Dave Warner, though, can continue that form against England, which will be on Saturday night. A week between matches, New Zealand are playing tonight, a week between matches for Australia are a little strange. And, of course, England, uh, the, the team they do face on Saturday, at the bottom of the table, and they are the reigning World Cup champions. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Oh, I heard um, Owen Morgan, their former captain, talking uh, passionately about it, saying... If someone had said to him that uh, after six games of the World Cup, England would have only won one, he, he would just absolutely have rejected that and said it was impossible. Mm. It would be like if in the middle of the next year we're talking about whether the Panthers could avoid the wooden spoon. It's just, mm. it just impossible to, to, have, um, to have come to this. There's all sorts of rumours of rifts in the camp and it didn't help that the England Cricket Board released the contracts for the, the next year um, during the middle of the World Cup and some players didn't get it and some players got more than expected. Is the Australian coach Matthew Mott? Has he lost the dressing room? There's there's a whole raft of um, of discussion points. But the thing that's crazy is that there's this little known tournament, the uh, the Champions Trophy, which is sort of a mini World Cup that the ICC, the International Cricket Council, cancel and then bring back and cancel and bring back. 
the um, the qualification for that, which no one seemed to know, is you've got to finish in the top eight in the World Cup. And it, it was put to England, uh, Matthew Mott, the other day, and he didn't. He had only just discovered it that they are in danger of missing the next uh, Champions Trophy in Pakistan in in 2025, which would just be colossally embarrassing. So, for those listeners, and I know there's a, um, a, a, a group out there that just enjoy England mm. being defeated by Australia more than anything else. Australia this weekend have a chance to not only um, root England to the bottom of the table in the World Cup, but potentially give them one of their most embarrassing moments in, in the history of cricket by missing out on that tournament. And in one minute, uh, does Australia win on Saturday night? Oh, you'd think so, but um, a lot of people are probably thinking, gosh, uh, England with nothing to fear. They are still a good side um, that anything could happen. Uh, but Australia have to come in as, as strong favourites. The in, in one sense, it doesn't matter too much because Australia, after that, have very winnable games against um, Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Certainly the way Afghanistan's been play, playing, you wouldn't can guarantee Australia to win that. But it looks like it's ours to lose. We're going to make the semi-finals. What we want to do is not come fourth because then we've got to play India. Um, and I, I just... I want us to have to play India in the final, if at all. Hopefully someone can knock them off. So my tip is Australia. It wouldn't surprise me if England um, caused an upset. But uh, as I said, I think we are going to be um, in the pointy end of the tournament. When it finally comes around, it's still two weeks, uh, as you said at the start, till the semi-finals. This tournament just never ends. Yeah, it's still going. I think the final on the 19th of November or there or thereabouts. Paul, great stuff as always. We'll catch up next week. Let's hope Australia can get up over England on Saturday night. Thanks, mate. Paul Dennett talking all things cricket for the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. We'll take a break, come back and finish with some of your texts. 0457 736 736. Open line number 1300 0111 70. Breakfast not too far away. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Good to have your company. This text here from Junior Smithy. We'll get to in just a second. Just before that, don't forget Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with a chance. Tees and seeds apply. Yeah, text from Junior Smithy says, Morning, Dan. The Western Reds should have still been in the competition. Uh, we were talking about this with Matty Cox earlier. They were victims of the ARL and Super League coming back together uh, the Melbourne Storm were built uh, by the NRL from the Western Reds and Hunter Mariners being removed from the league and the Reds were competitive and had a solid fan base that had decent crowds. That from Junior Smithy. Look, I, I just think that's a valid point. I, I just think Perth is the logical choice. If you're just looking at an NRL point of view, and I know they're not, but if you were just looking at an NRL point of view, I thought Perth, I think Perth is the logical choice for the 18th team, but that doesn't seem to be the way it is going to go. That's it for this morning. Tomorrow morning, Chris Perkins on the line to get all the latest from America, and we continue his search for the NRL team to support. Tomorrow, we look at the Gold Coast Titans. We'll see what we get uh, with that. Breakfast coming up. Missile and Brandy for our Queensland listeners. You'll get the first hour of them. And then it's Padded Heels. Have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye.